Hello, and welcome to Dexter's Lab. Have you ever heard of the Chapman Stick? It's a relatively new, guitar-like musical instrument, and you won't often see one out in the wild, unless you see lab grantee Francisco Raffart play. He's mastered the instrument and is self-taught. We had a chance to sit down and discuss his decision to pick up the Chapman Stick, learning as a creative process, his approach to composing and creating, and much, much more. My name is Jay Cottle, and this is Francisco's Lab. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm so glad to have you join us again. I'm here with Francisco Raffart, and we're going to talk today about Francisco's work, um, about his creative process, and everything he's been up to. So, Francisco, do you mind introducing yourself, letting folks know who you are and maybe what you're working on? Yeah, um, well, as you said, my name is Francisco Raffart. Um, I have an artist name, I go as Raffart, uh, just my surname. And um, I'm a Chapman stick player and uh, composer. And mostly I've done uh, music and recording and performance through about, I guess it's like 15 years, maybe more now, right now. Yeah. and. Um, yeah, that's uh, like the, in a nutshell. So what is the Chapman stick? The Chapman stick is a stringed instrument that um, is similar to a guitar or a bass guitar, but uh, it has more strings. Mm. So it has the range of both instruments mm. and uh, you can play it uh, both hands because yeah. it responds to tapping instead of plucking strings. So you can play it as a piano, um, but with the sensibility of the of direct contact to the string. Wow. So yeah, it's a, it's like a, a, an instrument that has forty or fifty years of, at this point. And yeah, that's it's not very common, but it's getting uh, more, more people are playing it every day. Yeah. So since it's not common, how did you find out about it? How did you start playing? Where did you learn to play it? I mean, this is before YouTube, I'm assuming, so. Yeah, that was a hard one. <laughs> um, I first saw, well, I had heard about it when I was like a teenager, um, but I got a chance to see one um, when I was like 16. Um, at the time, I'm from Chile, and uh, there was one player at that time in Chile and all the country, and I happened to go to a seminar where he, it was a seminar about, another subject, but he just played uh, as, an, as a guest. And I saw the instrument, I saw, oh, this is a stick, that's pretty cool. Mm. And at the but at the time I just let it pass, like, oh, that's a nice, like, curiosity. But mm -hmm. um, so I was, at that time I was playing a lot of guitar mm. and going into the piano as well. And at a certain point when I was about 18, I was like, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to play the piano or am I going to play the guitar? I prefer being good at one uh, instead of trying to play both uh, at a not so good level. So then it came up, well, what, what if I do both? <laughs> so the stick <laughs> was like, um, it just one day I was like, oh, the stick makes sense because I can use both my hands. I can do all this piano stuff uh or most of it and also have the you know the the contact with the string and all that uh, mental map so it was kind of a 
somehow an instrument built for me, even though it wasn't, of course, but. <laughs> and so then how'd you learn it at that point? Oh yeah, no, I started at that time, as you said, YouTube, I think it didn't exist or was very in, a, in the very early stages. So right. there were only a couple of videos of people playing and it was like, wow, uh, these guys are making videos. And um, I think I was one of the probably pioneers of the stick on YouTube <laughs> at that point. I, uh, or one of the early uh, people that posted content. Mm -hmm. uh, now it's there's a lot. Um, uh, but yeah, I started basically trying out stuff for myself, trying to translate what I knew about the guitar and the piano into the, the stick. And it was a slow process of just exploring and see what works. So yeah, it took me several years to get to a, <laughs> to a decent level. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's an unexplored, things happen like that when it's unexplored or yeah. when you are on your own. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was more like a self-taught, um, and now there's a lot more resources. There's uh, now it's easier to learn because there's so much content that mm. uh, it's easier to pick up. So um, I guess my next question then is, what got you into the creative field at all? And for you to take on an instrument that's so rare um, and work so hard to master it at such a young age, like where does that drive come from? Where does this passion for this field come from for you? Well, I start I picked up a guitar when I was uh, like 12, I think. Wow. Um, but always self-taught. I, I didn't have like music teachers or stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it was like always learning was creative too, because I had to invent what I did. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, you don't get the, the perfect technique or you yeah. like you're sloppy in certain things, but it just um, makes your brain work in a, in a creative learning uh, fashion that yeah. is actually being helpful in other areas of, of life as well. Cause of um, like, I don't have to rely on something to get started. I can just start trying things out and yeah. um, I, don't, I don't have that fear of, oh, I don't know what to do, then I'll drop it. And I think yeah. a lot of people that play the stick abandon it because they, they're like, oh, uh, I, nobody can teach me. Oh, this I, I don't have time for this, you know. Mm. And yeah, so I, I think um, music, my dad played guitar for uh, when he was young, and there was always a guitar in the house, but I never saw him play it. So one day I picked it up and he started saying, "Oh no, you do this, do that." He what what he remembered or what he played when he was young, mm. and then I started like just uh, I became like addicted to music and just wow. listening to stuff and. So that's how like the creative part and <laughs> the composition part started a little later when I I just had I had a project once and I I just started writing some tunes and it they worked out and I was like oh maybe I I, I could be good at this and I started like writing more music and and then I kind of became like a like my learning process in the stick was very much making music as I discovered techniques and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it was like a learning was creative in a way. That's amazing. There seems to be a lot of uh, 
freedom about you that it's just you fall into things and you go why not and i'll just like explore yeah. that's really interesting to me <laughs> so what is creativity to you what does that even mean oh wow that's a deep question super um, easy question yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i think like uh as the, i'm gonna go like a little philosophical i guess um all like all people or all human beings have like a creative drive that manifests in different ways um some people um i don't know make a business some people uh uh make art some people make poetry some people make music some people uh, uh create families some people uh help others build institutions so there's always most people um, have a creative drive that manifests somehow. And it happens that in my case, it, it came through music and through a weird instrument. Um, but uh, I think it's just a necessity of people. There's, I've, I've met very little people that don't have any creativity. It's very rare, like mm. uh, in, at some level, you know? Um, so I think it's just something that happens for everyone and just uh, manifests differently in different people. So I guess that leads me to my next question. You know, you, you run into these people all the time who say, I'm not creative, or they think that creative means artistic. Um, and so do you think that it is a part of human nature or do you think that it's something that's learned? And for folks that, like maybe the folks that you're talking about that have never expressed any ounce of it, is that a thing that can be developed or is it just, that's not for you? You might not live no, I, I think it's not that it's not developed, that, that it can be developed. I think um, it's crushed um, mm -hmm. through the education. Like, you know, you see kids, they're all creative. Uh, but somewhere along the line of education or uh, mm -hmm. normalization in society, mm -hmm. that just gets, um, it's, it becomes like only the people that have the most strong uh, drive uh, keep doing it because it sometimes it's not accepted by either like the institutions you attend to the your, even your family or whatever so I think since it's economically not a priority it in, in the type of society we live it just gets uh, crushed very early on yeah. and it's a pity but I, I think that's what happened mm -hmm. so um yeah, I, I don't know who, how to, I would, what I would say to someone that wants to become creative. It's just putting things together, different, uh, different ideas, uh, mixing them up. Mostly, that is not like, I don't think there's, uh, I don't believe in that kind of like divine inspiration kind of thing. It's just mm -hmm. starting, learning something and learning something different and putting them together and see what happens. Uh, that's most how I see it. So. In a weird way, that leads me to my next question. And when you, when you said divine inspiration, so I'm a musician as well, right? And so um, I have not been with my band for about nine months and it's a primarily a vocal ensemble. And, you know, I'm trying to like sit back and arrange some music for us to do. And I, it's like, it's gone. It feels like my mind is blank, right? And so I'm wondering for you, especially as a composer, what do you do to get like in a creative zone? How is, 
do you feel like you get inspired sometimes or do you sit down and like make it happen? What is that process like for you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's becoming more rare. Like I see, well, in your case, I imagine that you had this environment and this people in which you were able to go in, into this state of creative flow uh, mm. more easily. And now mm. that those, uh, uh, those signals or those, uh, uh, how do you say, creative lubricants are not present, it's harder for you to get into that uh, state. In my case, um, I think it takes me about two hours to get into a state of uh, like creative flow. So it's really hard these days to because we are so interrupted, mm. not only with with work, family, and um, and but we have emails, uh, social media. We're we're we can't retain attention. So. Um, but I do try so, uh, as, as much as I can to, to do like uh, one, one hour. If it's more, then I can get into the, to the flow. And if there's no creative flow, there's, um, there's a technique I sometimes use to get things done, even though I don't feel like, mm. you know, when you enter and you can just do stuff and it just comes out. Uh, I just try to break down what I need to do and say, okay, I have 30 minutes. I'm not going to get in flow, but I know I have to fix this part of the song. Mm. And this part of the song is sloppy and I, or this, this part of the, the music I'm playing, I'm, I'm, it's not coming out right. So I just mm. work on that. And, um, and that's how I've been going about in the last uh, few months where it's becoming harder to, to focus. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, it's just uh, trying until it, it comes kind of. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> that, chase that's it. That's what has worked uh, for me until you find what works. Mm. So, I mean, are you the kind of person that like has to work in a very specific space at a particular time of day, like with a particular kind of drink or is it just like, no, I just go there whenever it happens in the day and I work to get into the flow type thing? Um, yeah, I found now I've, I'm trying to become a more morning person because, mm. uh, you know, being an adult, <laughs> but uh, usually um, always it worked better at night, like after 12, uh, after yeah. midnight is yeah. when things, I don't know why, but things happen really late mm. so sometimes what I've done and I don't do it that often because it, it, I'm not a really never been a morning person is trying to get up like really early and mm. like like 4 a.m when there's no interruptions oh, wow. and no but yeah I I still need to uh, manage to do that but I, I think that time works really well because there's even if you are with your phone, nobody's really on social media at that time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that those times where there's no interruptions work really well. Really interesting. Um, I am also not a morning person, so I will use that as a last resort, but that sounds like <laughs> it's a really smart idea. Um, so when you begin creating, do you have like a finished product in mind or are you just... Um, following wherever the path takes you and ending up with something? Um, no, I, I don't have a fixed thing on mind. Um, 
but it is I do, it's kind of an idea of what I'm gonna do. Like, uh, like I wanna do, I don't know, a song that has this instruments and this kind of vibe and and sometimes just working something else will come and it's more like more like that creating from top down it's just a kind of like more of an artisan kind of thing like mm -hmm. where you create a, 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 a like a, a a part of a song or a core progression and then you say oh this works and then maybe you end up doing something totally different but um yeah, I, I, I work more with like the material, so to speak, when in this case, it's just sound. Mm. So what inspires you then? So what like, yeah, that's the question. What inspires you? Um, I would say sometimes it's uh, like for a, a strange reason, I'm, I'm not a, uh, a big consumer of art and music. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not all the time, you know, there's people that they're always like, they know what's going on mm. They're They they know all the music that came out or well, a lot of music that mm. came out and they, they know the last trends. And for me, it's just a, the, even though I would like to know all that, it's just like sensory overload. So sometimes mm -hmm. I just uh, look at, uh, listen to one musician or listen to one or look at one uh, interactive art piece or, or mm. something and that from that I will like extract an idea and mm. instead of having all this massive information and trying to synthesize it um, it's easier for me that that way um, so yeah usually I don't know the last song I wrote for example I was listening to some music and I said oh that this song only has two chords on the back and it's just sounds so complex, but it's very simple. Mm. I was like, well, I'm, I'm just gonna copy those two chords. And, yeah. just, <laughs> and then I did a totally different melody and mm. it's just a different song, but I kind of stole a little thing and um, made it my own. Mm. Um, so yeah, usually something that cuts my, uh, catches my eye, I, I would go and grab it and play with it. So. And I know this is a problem that a lot of artists have sometimes. Are you able to just listen? Or is it like you're always that like inner ear is working and like doing that deep listening piece? Or are you just able to like sometimes just let music wash over you? Yeah, it's um, it's hard to avoid the the analytic. Mm. Um, the yeah, it's hard to avoid like, oh, like the, that kick sounds really good or that right. bass, oh yeah, or something. <laughs> uh, or that, I don't know, that counterpoint or whatever you you, you, you listen for in music. Uh, some, yeah, sometimes I just try to uh, just listen, um, but it's inevitable that I start like analyzing or, oh, that effect sounds really good like I wonder what, if, what how I could use it like right yeah <laughs> and so that's part of why I'm assuming that you're avoiding listening as much because it becomes yeah it becomes work yeah 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 got it yeah um yeah so I guess to take us out tell me more about your lab project what is it that you're working on and, and what are you putting together for that yeah so my lab project is um it's an audiovisual musical performance hmm. And the what idea is that was, I mean, um, so I'm gonna, um, 
in the music side of things, I'm gonna play the stick, uh, use my voice at uh, several machines like drum machines and uh, MIDI controllers to create like an electronic uh, and instrumental set. Um, and in the visual part, I'm building like a, it's like a screen that goes, it's like a stage screen kind of thing. So I'm putting together uh, some shapes and I'm using uh, some materials to project onto those shapes. And I'm in with a projector, I'm gonna like match the shape of what I built. Mm. And I'm gonna have that as a background of what where I'm playing. Mm. So it's gonna be like, um, what I'm still working on is making the visuals go with the music. Mm. And uh, yeah, and I'm working on, a, I'm basing the, the, the whole project uh, on a book by uh, Herbert Marcuse with, uh, it's called Arrows and Civilization. And I'm trying to build that uh, as, as a concept. Mm. Um, yes. And yeah, I, I, I have, uh, I, I have built already the, the, this, the stage, the screen stage, have some uh, tunes, and uh, but still, I, I need to like um, make some more music and mm. uh, build some other stuff that I want to add to. Mm. So, what was the name of that book again? Uh, Eros and Civilization. And what does that mean? Since you said that you're trying to recreate that in this auto visual, audio visual method. Yeah, it's it's a book that speaks also in 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 certain ways of. Uh, the creative impulse of mm. uh, what we were talking at the beginning, mm. um, how these, uh, the, which he called, he takes it for, from from Freud, uh, from Freudian psychology, the concept of eros, which is like the creative mm. uh, and love impulse. Mm. And um, that he says basically is, um, is one of the basic impulses of, uh, of humankind. And the, the idea of the book is that uh, work and the alienation of work uh, suppresses these, this instinct. And um, it treats the idea of this, it's called the great refusal, yeah. which is like refusing to, uh, to accept the repression of these drives. Yeah, um, yeah it's a very interesting book. Yeah. Um, and I, I was like, I've always had it in my mind, and mm. and now I'm trying to build this this as a kind of a tribute to that book. Yeah. So now I lied. Now I have one more question in response yeah. to that. So thinking about yeah these external pressures and and as you said, for people growing up, it feels like school or systems or society or families can kind of yeah pressure that creativity out of you. And I'm wondering right now, we're in such a pressure-filled time with, you know, a pandemic and a racial uprising and our political atmosphere. How has that affected your creativity, if at all? Um, and how do you, how did you work through that, if you did? It's hard, yeah, because, like, you're, sometimes I think, well, I'm just making music and the world is exploding, you know? Like, mm -hmm. sh should I be doing, uh, <laughs> like, what is this all about? But mm -hmm. at the same time, it's, uh, at least for me, is kind of the only thing that keeps me sane on this uh, world of 
that has a lot of demands and also um, where you see people suffering and sometimes you, you, I try to help as much as I can, but there's not a lot of, I can control. So just like art is a way of keeping sane. And so it's like a little therapy uh, that I use, like build, making this project has been very helpful for yeah. like uh, coping with this, with these mm. times. Mm. That's nice to hear. Well, thank you. Um, is there anything you want to leave folks with? Can you tell them how to find you, learn about your work, a timeline for when you're going to present this new piece, anything like that? Yes, um, you, you can find me on Instagram at, uh, at uh, Rafart Stick and, um, and Facebook as well, uh, FJ Rafart uh, is my uh, page. And um, I'll be doing a first test of this show, a, a prototype this Saturday. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's uh, I just, I'm gonna do it for very little people. So, um, so it's just to test because there's a lot going on and I need to make sure it works. And, uh, but the, the, the event is open in Facebook. So if, mm -hmm. if anyone wants to attend, they can go and I would appreciate any feedback. Mm -hmm. um, and then, during next year, I intend to present it on um, uh, in an open space. Um, I've been uh, trying to, with Dunamis as well, trying to find um, some space in this, like open space in the city of Boston to present yeah. it would would be nice uh, because of all social distancing and yeah. also because the the visuals you can see them at a distance. So yeah. it, I think it would work. Um, uh, in outside, so to speak. So yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll communicate with Donatis when I have like the final date for the show. Sure, awesome. Well, thank you again for this conversation. I was enraptured, and I'm sure people are going to be as well. Um, and yeah, stay tuned, everyone, for the next episode. Dexter's Lab is made possible by a partnership between the Boston Foundation and Dunamis. To learn more about the Boston Foundation, visit www.tbf.org or follow on Instagram and Twitter at Boston Foundation or on Facebook at the Boston Foundation. You can follow Dunamis on all platforms at Dunamis Boston. That's D-U-N-A-M-I-S Boston or visit us at dunamisboston.org. Until next time, and thanks for listening, stay creative.